So we are starting a new series today, which we're calling All the Feels. Uh, last month we did this really fun uh, worship series called Campfire Stories, where we retold these stories as if, these old tales, as if they were stories that we tell around a campfire, trying not to get caught up in some of the details, scientific and historical details, and just say, what if we told these as stories around a campfire, and what happens? We end up getting into a lot of those details anyways in order to brush them away. So it was a very heady type of series. And so as we were moving into uh, August, as we were looking at our last five weeks of summer, we were really insistent, we need to like step back a little bit and, and do something that's a little bit lighter, a little bit heart centered even. That's the word that Katie has continued to use around this series. All the feels. Um, it's been a long few years. There's a, been a lot that's going on and that has raised within us, if we acknowledge them, lots and lots and lots of different feelings. And, and there's lots of different things that we can do with those feelings. Um, here at the Grove, if you've been around here at all, you probably know that we don't skate around, skirt around uh, the difficult stuff. And so rather than just sweeping some of those feelings away and saying, oh, they, they don't apply or, or we need not pay attention to them, we could, should focus on the most important things, this series is about focusing on those feelings, acknowledging them, and then saying, what are the things that we can do about them? And maybe what does God have to say about those feelings and how we can not necessarily overcome them, but, but move and function within them and maybe look beyond them. So we're starting today with the feeling of fatigue. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a, a Facebook friend. This was one of the first people uh, of somewhat influence that I met when we moved to Cottage Grove. It was the Facebook memory that popped up of the first time that I met him. Um, and, and he shared that, I saw that Facebook memory, and then he shared it with the comment, wow, Jeremy, three years, time has flown by. To which I responded, it's only been three years. <laughs> I don't know about you, uh, but these last three years for me have been incredibly long. They have been incredibly hard. And I just tried to like take an inventory of many of the things that have happened just over the last three years, and I actually wrote them down because the list kept growing and getting a little bit more difficult. So first of all, of course, there was the, the pandemic, COVID. Boo, thank you very much. So there was like the actual sickness, which was really not good. It's killed now over a million people just in our country. There were the, the shutdowns and lockdowns that had to do with that and all the mental health issues that came along with that. There was the grief the grief of all sorts of loss, not just, um, not just loss of people dying, but all of those other things that we had to, to let go of. And then there was this virus that just didn't go away. <laughs> Why we have an empty stage this morning is because we continue to have this virus that doesn't seem to go away. So we've had this pandemic. Then we had all the second order impacts of pandemic. We, so with those shutdowns, there were job losses. And, and changes in life, changes in, in relationships, changes in family, schools shutting down. My goodness, getting stuck in those four walls with your kids for 24-7 every single day. Whew, that's something. Uh, it, supply chain issues. Heard a little bit about supply chain issues, maybe. Inflation. We heard a little bit about inflation lately. Uh, people who think differently than you. Has anyone had to interact with anybody in the last three years with people who think differently than you? 
yeah. Um, and then there's like the decision making, the fatigue of decision making. What do I do in this certain situation? Is it safe for me to do this thing? Is it right for me to do this thing? Um, that's still happening, and it, it's exhausting, right? Then in the summer of, of 2020, we had the killing of George Floyd, and we had the we had the actual watching of his death, and we had the, the racial reckoning that came along with that, and people of color being re-traumatized by this thing that keeps happening over and over again, and, and people who look like me looking at what is happening and being opened up to a whole new world of how am I participating in this unjust system, and, and, and what are the things that I can actually do to make a difference along with it. Uh, then there's just the state of politics and the vitriol of politics and, you know, an insurrection and democratic decline, and that's just exhausting. I'm going to keep going. Beginning of this year, we have this war in Ukraine, the first ground war in Europe since World War II. It seems to be regionally located, but there's global impacts, and things go wrong this way or that, and it's like a serious possibility we could find ourselves in World War III. Not great. Also, it's like the first real social media war. So even if we try to look away, we're constantly being reminded of the things that are happening on the ground. It is exhausting, right? That is on top of all of the normal everyday stuff that's exhausting. Just trying to navigate everyday life as individuals, as families, and try to figure out, how do I do this life? And then to cap it all off, there's those of us who are people of faith who try to fit all of this within an understanding of who God is and who we are and what the world is like and things don't compute. All of those things are cumulative. All of them add up and they are utterly exhausting. And so the word that we chose for this week was not tired. That was not the feeling that we wanted to convey. We wanted to convey fatigue. Now, when I think of fatigue, some of the things that I think of, I think of like those marathoners, they're on their last mile, and you can start seeing their legs wobbling. Like, they don't have it within themselves to continue anymore, and it's just like watching, no, don't do it! You just know, like, they're about to collapse. Hopefully, they'll make it across the line, but they, they very well might not. This is looking in the rearview mirror after a long day with your kids, and the kids are going, and they're, they're trying to hold on, but like the, their bodies are, are not able to absorb anymore. And they're just fighting as much as they can, but it's only a matter of time before they're completely out. That, that's the feeling that I want to convey. And that maybe you are feeling as we are in this third year of this pandemic, as we are reaching the end of a, a summer, as we are going into a, a busy fall, you very well might be feeling fatigued. So what do we do with that? Well, again, we could ignore it. We could say, well, just suck it up. Uh, be happy where you're at. Get through the day. Or we could acknowledge it and say, yeah, fatigue is real. Our fatigue is real. Now what do we do with it? And maybe what does God have to say about it? And fortunately, we've got a very direct thing that Jesus himself talks about fatigue and the need for rest. And this comes from uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, one of the four uh, biographies about the life of Jesus that we have in our Bible, and it is in chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, and I'll read it for you. It's not up here on the screen. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son decides to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. The, the one word I really want to focus in on there is yoke. When you think of yoke, you very well might be thinking of like an egg yoke, right? Uh, that's not the yoke we're talking about today. That's not the yoke that, that Jesus is talking about. Um, when I learned what this yoke was, it was from playing Oregon Trail. Again, that little floppy disk game you'd put in your super old school computer, uh, incredibly pixelized. The goal of the game is to survive. And the goal of the game is to get to the end of the Oregon Trail. So along the way, at the beginning and then along the way, you're trying to, uh, to bring in all of the resources, all of the things that you need to do to survive, to get to the end of the trail. There's lots of different opportunities to pick up different things along the way. And one of those things is a yoke. Uh, maybe it would have been helpful for these travelers to have eggs. It's maybe a thing, but the yoke that was happening, that the, the game was talking about, and the yoke that, that Jesus is talking about here is that bar, that, uh, that piece of wood that would go over the top of draft animals, or specifically oxen. And the, the, the piece of wood that would go over them, this yoke, would allow them, usually in tandem or, or together with a, a couple other animals, would allow them to carry these heavy loads wherever they were going. So the yoke was this thing that you placed on an animal in order them for, to, for them to work together to carry a heavy load that they could not or probably would not have otherwise been able to carry. So that's kind of the imagery that Jesus is, is pointing to, but it's actually a step removed from that even because in uh in judaism the accumulated teachings of a rabbi of a jewish teacher was known as their yoke and it was said that if you were if you were going to become a follower of this specific teacher this specific rabbi what you were agreeing to do was to take that yoke upon you you were going to take all of their teachings all of their instructions all of their restrictions upon yourself and everything else that came behind it. So you'd become a, a follower of some rabbi and say, I'm taking my yoke upon myself. Okay? Um, so on the scene comes Jesus, and Jesus has been traveling around, he's been gaining lots of attention, has been trying to gain followers, but he's kind of been getting a reputation for being difficult, and, and the things that he was saying are, are difficult for people to embrace uh he's he's said to be god himself and so we would we would expect maybe that his standards that his ex expectations that his restrictions are going to be really high and really difficult and really burdensome and so when jesus gets on the scene people are like questioning what's this guy's yoke going to be and he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and 
learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my load not hard to carry. Now, one of the things that I want to make sure that you do not hear is that becoming a follower of Jesus in the, in the first century or in the 21st century means that rest, that easiness is just going to come like that. Um, th that's what I do not want you to hear. What I do want you to hear is that Jesus is not in the business of piling on. Jesus is in the business of rest. As Melinda read and alluded to just a few minutes ago, um, Jesus himself set up these examples of rest. Uh, there, there's that story where he's on a boat with his closest friends, and this storm comes on, and they can't find him because he's down sleeping. And he, like, in that rest, uh, not allowing himself to, to do something important to save his friends, but he's also apparently a little um, perturbed that they wake him up. Like, come on, guys, you know you'd be fine. There's other stories about him um, celebrating or participating in the Sabbath, this, this day of the week that was set aside for rest, but then also at times setting aside the Sabbath when there were important things to do, specifically around helping and healing people. So Jesus himself finds it really important to participate in rest. Uh, secondly, Jesus is um, constantly pushing for rest for his own people as well, for, for his followers, but for everybody too. You know, in, in the first century, many of Jesus' closest followers are what we would probably refer to as like the working class, uh, blue collar. They were fishermen. They worked in the markets. And day after day, they would go to their jobs and do what was expected of them. Um, where we are at now, um, it's kind of like a, a, a badge of honor to say how busy you are. You work so hard. You're so busy. But for the majority of human history, it's been luxury and rest. It's been rest that has been a luxury. Jesus' earliest followers, these working class, these, these fishermen, they didn't have the luxury of rest. They had to do the same things over and over and over again. And on top of that, they had these other religious authorities who were coming to them and setting up their own yokes, their own expectations, their own rules that even encroached on that designated day of rest on Sabbath. They put very specific rules about, like, how many steps you could take on a Sabbath, what you could do and not do, who you could relate with and, and not relate with. To me, that sounds like an exhausting day of rest. So Jesus not only rested himself, but then he wanted rest for other people as well. But then the last thing that he did is he was trying to uh, put together, create, establish a community of rest, where this was like the expectation of a group of people, especially a group of people that said that they followed his way of life. You know, we get these stories handed down to us from 2,000 years about, specifically about the life of Jesus. We have Matthew, uh, his biographer, that passed down this story and it's not just about information. It's not just about passing down information, but it's about like an exhortation, the, the expectation that his followers are going to pick up this story and live it out as if it is their own. 
you know, one of the interesting things about a yoke is that it's not meant for just one animal. It's meant for multiple. The expectation is that they'll be doing this together and pulling that load, whatever it is, no matter how heavy, they're going to be in it together. So a, a community of rest is one where the expectation is that you cannot, you will not, you should not do everything all of the time, all on your own. Now, when I get up here on a weekly basis, I, um, I try to be really humble. I try to um, talk about the ways in which I don't necessarily understand some things or I don't fully live them out. And it's like a journey, a, a stretch for all of us to, to do this. And I want to acknowledge that that is especially the case today. I am really bad at rest. I am really bad at rest. Um, the, uh, I, I didn't even acknowledge it because Katie was gone today and whatever, all the details get lost. Um, I was gone last Sunday. It was my first Sunday of not preaching when we had an actual service since we started weekly worship at the beginning of January. Um, so we had, even the week that I was gone for COVID, I recorded my sermon with 104 uh, degree temperature in our basement in order to get it here by, by Sunday morning. Um, I really enjoy what I do. I get lots of energy by standing up here and, and talking about this type of stuff. But it's not sustainable to do it every single week, even if it's something that I enjoy. So a few weeks ago, I was ordered. I was ordered by our district superintendent first, the same day, by our district superintendent, and then by our other two pastors of the Grove, that I had to take time off. And um, so last week was one of those. I have another one coming up, and then a longer vacation scheduled for November. And um, I told a couple people, I used that actual language with people. I was ordered to take time off. And half-jokingly, most of the people that I used that language with uh, said, oh, so you're in trouble. Like, the, the implication is that you take time off because you're in trouble, not because you need it. And the reality, of course, is that I was not in trouble, even if maybe it felt a little bit like I was being, uh, getting in trouble for saying I had to take time off, but it was because I needed it. So I was gone last week, and guess what? Things went really well without me. By all indications, things went great without me. And it's just like one of those, those really important reminders. One of the reminders of rest that I need to remind myself of is that rest is not laziness. Um, re rest is not letting something go or, or not giving the attention that it deserves. Rest is important in giving yourself the attention that you deserve to rejuvenate. And it's also a, an acknowledgement that when I close my eyes or when I step away from this thing, I can trust that there's going to be a community of rest, that there is going to be a God that is sustaining it. When I close my eyes and I open them up again, the world is still going to be there. When I take time away to, to rest and rejuvenate, to, to step back from all of that vigilance that has been accumulated from all of that stuff over the last three years, when I re-engage, the world is still going to be there. 
And I and the community that I'm a part of is going to be better for it. So the question this morning that I'd like to leave you with is, what are the ways that you, what are the ways or, or the, the places in which you need rest? Or what are the, the places in which you can take rest? Maybe it's like putting down your phone. Maybe it's stepping away from the news for a day. The world's going to continue on whether you look at that news or not. Uh, maybe it is one of the things that I did this week after like some of that rest from this past weekend. I wake up really early every day to try to read and get some work in and get a workout in and listen to my daily podcast to get that in before the, the kids wake up and like the day kicks off. Two different times this week, I got up at my first alarm. I did a little bit of that stuff, and I said, I'm going back to bed. I did that yesterday morning when my sermon wasn't done. And I went back to bed anyways, and I said, that sermon will get done, and it will be fine. Hopefully it's more than fine, but I'm delivering it, so it's here. It's done. The world is going to continue to spin whether or not I go to back to bed or not, but I was able to get that rest. What are the places in which and ways in which you can get that rest for yourselves? And the, the last thing I'll leave you with is what are the ways in which we can be a community of rest for people that have all of this accumulated stuff, this vigilance that they've been holding on to for three years or for years or their entire life, this fatigue that has come from physical fatigue or emotional fatigue or spiritual fatigue, what are the ways in which we can be a community that helps to provide opportunities and expectations that that rest is important? So may we be, my prayer is that we can be a community like that, that provides opportunities and expectations that rest is important. May that be so.